Hi, I'm Ben. And I'm Thomas. And we're the co-founders of Cytix. And today we're joined by Stu Coulson. <laughs> I do what his job title is. <laughs> Did you know? Yeah. Come on, Stu, what's your job title? I am a Cyber Ecosystem Project Manager for the University of Manchester, which is a great job title because it barely fits on my business card. Fantastic news. Stuart's been in the industry for 20 plus years? Yeah, too many. And today we're going to find out all about it. Tom, do you want to kick us off today? Sure. So I thought we'd talk about a couple of things today, um, things that I know are quite close to your heart and things that maybe you're a little bit well, diametrically opposed. <laughs> the first thing being the lies that we tell ourselves in cybersecurity, and the second thing being about the Manchester cyber sort of ecosystem boom. Yeah. Um, so to kick off, let's talk a little bit about the lies that we tell ourselves in cyber. I think probably one of the first places to go there is buzzword bingo. <laughs> it's a, I've been interviewed about this before. Where did it come from? Why did I write it? And then why is it taking the the turn it has done. Um, so for those who don't know, um, I write a blog on my own website, uh, personal website, about the buzzwords of using cyber. And it started because it was at InfoSec in London in the days when it was at Olympia and it was a lot more fun. And I literally walked around and there was people just using these words on stands and like, they don't even, they're, they're like the wrong words put together, trying to make a sentence. Uh, I think my favorite was, uh, and they still do it actually, it's triangulation of AI. And I was like, what? And I went over to this chap and he could tell us a sales guy with a skin tight suit and his brown pointy shoes and he was about 15 years old, stood there and his coiffured hair and, he, and said, Chris, that's what's triangulation of AI. He went, do you have AI? And I thought, well, no, but I'll say, yeah. I said, yeah. He went, have you ever had it triangulated? No, no, that's what we're for. And I think it was at that point there, it was literally like for me, ripping the band-aid off this industry. And I had this really epiphany of, we just talk so much nonsense in this industry about just random buzzwords that just get thrown together. So I thought, well, in the, the best fun you can have is turn it into a game. Let's get everyone involved. Can you find the buzzwords that really hurt us as an industry? And it's not, I'm just having a picture of the industry, bah, you're all, you're all awful at it. This is genuine buzzwords, which I would declare as hurt the industry. I'm going to define what I mean by that. So for example, AI. Everyone right now, if you haven't got the word AI, you, you're out of water. But are you actually using AI? Because as a customer, if you find out that this company, this vendor you're buying from, doesn't use AI, well, you've just undermined the entire product. So what, what else lies like within this company? So straight away, you've got to be authentic in what your, your message is. The second thing is, well, what do you mean by AI? By AI? The complex, complexity of that just alone is just horrendous. So then I've kind of expanded it, and I, I, I've written another blog, which is about, I, I've created a, uh, we're all nation-grade state, military-grade encryption. All this. So I decided I was going to make my own scale. So there is actually the... Uh, the local council grade, grade, and then Dave grade, he's the IT guy who just breaks stuff. And I basically went to universe grade, which is where you can take your technology, take it anywhere across the universe, and it will be encrypted and safe. Just to literally have a pop back at those people and say, I use military grade encryption. What's the point? If you know most military, you know, this, this is an international audience, you can have a look at your own military. They're not great with tech. So say it's military grade, it's like saying, 
this is really, really awful stuff. Um, yeah, that's where it started from. But it's, it's interesting you say, what's the point? But then you also say that, that customers, you know, if you don't say you're using AI or you don't say the latest and greatest buzzword, yep. then that can actually hurt you. So isn't there a point to it? Isn't there a, a reason why it exists? There is. And it comes down to relevance to your product, your service, to what you're doing. But are you actually doing it or are you saying it because it's the right buzzword to say today? Um, you two are too young to remember this. I'm old, so I can say this. Back in about 2000, there was a buzz phrase, and it was lowercase XSP, rural service providers. Uh, I remember having to write the alphabet of SPs. So there was a TSP, which is a telecom service provider. And these were internet-enabled telecoms. Uh, when it started, because we had ASP, and for the older people in the audience, they'll remember ASPs, because application service providers was these online websites to provide applications to you, a bit like Citrix, but on steroids. Nowadays, we call them as a service. Exactly the same thing, just rebranded it. Um, where's its relevance? Are we actually doing as a service or we just got a website that delivers something? Be a bit more honest about it. Your customers will then come along that journey with you, or at least you're honest about what you're doing. I know something close to your heart is pen testing. Are you actually doing pen testing or just doing vulnerability scanning? What are you actually doing? Don't tell me you're using military-grade military secrets to hack into someone's business. You're not. <laughs> a vulnerability scan, that's the extent of your organization. Tell them, we are experts in vulnerability scanning. I'd hire for that. But if you tell me to do pen testing, you do vulnerability scanning, I get breached. Guess who I'm gonna come after? Yeah, how, how much of this is like, you know, you see the, the you know, AI's been around for, a lot longer than the last two years, but it certainly feels like it's just been invented in the last two years. <laughs> yeah. Or the last year. Um, and I don't know, you know, we talk a lot about how, you know, there, 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 there's endless amounts of cybersecurity companies now. All you've got to do is walk the floor at InfoSec yep. uh, to find, you know, 15 vendors in every space. Um, some of those spaces have just been invented and they already seem to have 15 vendors in. Um, and, but we're still seeing compromises. Yes. Not only are we still seeing compromises, we're still seeing them at the same rate, and we're still seeing them for the same things that we saw them for 20 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, how much of the reason customers rush towards things like AI is because of the industry um, marketing it, and how much of it is because of the industry failing to protect businesses <laughs> And therefore, they're obviously going to still be looking for the thing that's finally going to save them. You are absolutely bob on. I, I, yeah, it, this is a really interesting question. I, I'd love some to actually do the research into it because I think there's a bit of both. Um, I've been buyer side and I've been vendor side. So I'm aware of both sides of that coin. On the vendor side, yes, you have to say the right buzzword because dare I say there's a CEO, a marketing director that says we have to have those buzzwords in, we have to compete on SEO and all the other bits. Get that. Let's go back to something which is my epiphany from uh, February this year. And for those who are in the industry, you're about to have a bit of an acid test and you guys know where I'm going to go with this. Cyber, we invented computers back in the 1960s. And uh, the Model Railway Club was right next door to the IBM PDP-1 that's installed at MIT. They literally stuck a hole through the wall, connected a cable through it, and stole cycles off that computer. That was back in 1969. Here we are in, uh, if you want to do the year 2020, 
2023, uh, where we have got nation state actors and we've got well-funded organizations stealing cycles off our IoT devices to do DDoSs. It is the same problem. We have not fixed anything in 60 years. We, we started with antivirus, then we realized that was probably a bit, bit bad because yeah, it doesn't really work. So then they call it anti-malware. Then, the, then they realized, oh, well, that's signature base is not very good. So they invented MDR, XDR, and all the other bits. Just change the name, same problem. Go back to the problem statement. What is it you're trying to fix? This is a, a fundamental thing that every CISO asks themselves, every consumer asks themselves, what is the problem I'm trying to fix? Mm. And as an industry, we don't fix. Yeah. We literally just put another thing on top and another one. And being vendor side, having to spend literally eight figures to try and protect our organization and still getting hammered. Well, this is the interesting thing, right? Because marketing get, get a really bad rap in this industry. But their job is literally to write what sells. Mm -hmm. So the problem for me has never been marketing. The problem for me has always been, why the hell is it selling? Yes. <laughs> and, and, and I get what you're saying, but at the same time, um, when you move away from the dashboards and the buzzwords and everything else, there is some fantastic technology 100%. that is constantly being developed that underpins. Now, this technology, unfortunately, often sits across multiple vendors. Um, sometimes a vendor has two of the three bits of technology you need. Sometimes they only yeah. have one. And so many vendors, I mean, look at the, the landscape at the moment when you've got companies like Palo and Cisco and CrowdStrike, they're buying up companies for this sort of security as a service play. So it's only going to get worse. You can't pin a vendor to a technology yeah. quite often these days. Um, so, so how do we fix this? How do we get to the point of going, okay, what technologies do I need? And let's be honest, this is business specific. This is, there's no perfect stack for any business, right? Correct. So how do we get to a point where, where we can look at the different types of you know, people process, obviously, but also the technology that we need in order to be able to protect our business and sort of move away from the particular brand names, et cetera, which yep. I don't necessarily associate with the tech that we need. Yeah, I, I, it sounds like I'm going to give you guys a plug here, but you are a really good example of being in that space right now. Uh, when you're on the when you're in the CISO space and you're trying to fill that void, which is in that security testing e vulnerability management e piece, all connects together. It, it, the, why we have them as separate disciplines, I've never understood. Vulnerability management is sat there to find on my estate what is vulnerable, and on the second side is. And what happens if that is exploited? That's my red team, and that's my vulnerability. You munge them two together, you're actually a lot stronger an entity within your business. Vendor side, they stick to their swim lane. We're very good at vulnerability management. You know, quality is a great product for doing that with. Then over here, we've got the pen testing space. But within that, there's too many fragmented disciplines. We've got people who are pen testers, but only in this one technology, because that's my specialism. Great. But don't try and market pen testing to me as a CISO or a deputy or whatever. Don't tell me you're a pen tester when you're only pen testing this tiny thing here. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, where the problem is. People are trying to conflate their skill set and their ability as a business to try and win business because mm. winning business is good, apparently. Um, I think that's where I've got a problem is people who are conflating what they're doing and actually not being honest with what they do. Tell me that I'm a, an, an expert in Java. Yeah, pen testing, superb. We have but Java, great. You've got mm -hmm. some work. It's so often as well. It's not even. It's not even necessarily security technology. So, so obviously, we, we we've applied AI to our business, um, not 
to, you know, whilst our focus is continuous security testing, it's not actually yeah. to deliver any security testing. Where we've applied AI is because we center our business on treating opportunities for vulnerabilities to enter systems and calling them security events. Yes. In order to process that much data, it wouldn't have been possible in, in, in 2021, 2022, because Correct. it involves reading the tickets and processing them. Um, but, but that technology that we're building in is not security technology. Yep. It's the ability that in this today, we're able to automate what would previously been um, a manual process that would have priced everybody out yep. because there'd be far too many people needed to be able to read the things and put them in the relevant buckets. Yep. But that's not necessarily security technology. And that, you know, applying AI also applies to businesses themselves. Yep. They can go out and they can look at applying AI to reduce their headcount and also automate a bunch of things that, that need 100%. to get done on time every time. It's appropriate technology for its appropriate use. Where I guess my bugbear is, is when people just say, oh, we've got to do AI. Why? Yeah. Oh, it's a buzzword and we've got to, we've got to do it. If you don't have a reason to do it, don't shoehorn it in mm. and say we're doing it. You use it for its right use. Mm -hmm. You know, this is going back to cybersecurity is not a standalone discipline. And I can prove that because if you go back 20 years, we didn't have cybersecurity. There was no such thing as a CISO. He was called an IT director or a sysadmin. Mm. This whole thing was an IT issue. Oh, no, we're not IT. That says the industry. Yeah, we are. We are completely an IT issue. But what we're now seeing is because data is actually the underpin of a business, we're actually a business solution issue. Mm -hmm. That's actually what we're doing. We are enabling businesses, protecting business, protecting data. We're not cybersecurity as a discipline. I, I can cite Danny, Professor Danny Dresden, my, my academic lead. He will literally let you for weeks on this thing. This started from cybernetics. It's got nothing to do with our industry. Nothing at all. What is cybersecurity? Protection of data at rest or in transit. It's got nothing at all to do with pen testing, vulnerability management. That is the wrapper around protecting data. Mm. I, I, if you're in the industry and you want to have a real kick in the face today, work out if you're on the vendor side, have you today protected Mrs. Goggins from being attacked? If not, what the hell are you doing? If you are sat there selling this vaporware BS with its artificial intelligence, more, more, if you're literally going down the, the buzzword bingo to try and sell something because you need to satisfy a shareholder, get out of the industry because you are a faker and you're harming the end consumer, who is what we're supposed to be doing as an industry, protecting data at restaurant transit. If you're in this industry, yeah, we've actually fixed some stuff and you know, we, we can show you vulnerabilities and like you guys doing, you know, there's actually enabling in a, in a, in a, in a, in a pipeline. Keep going. Keep doing that because you can demo, demonstrably show, demonstrably, demonstrably show I am protecting Mrs. Goggins. Her data is sat here secure. I see that quite a lot. People, you know, one of the problems with that um, when I'm talking to people in interviews and you know, pen testers who are looking for jobs is that's not exciting. That is not something that, that for a lot of people makes them attracted to being in the industry, makes them passionate about their job. You know, I used to say when I first got into cybersecurity that um, you know I was 
I was in this industry because I like robbing banks and breaking into prisons for a living. And that's <laughs> that's really exciting and that's really fun. And I did that for a few years and then I realised it wasn't it wasn't changing anything and it wasn't wasn't really benefiting it's anybody safe, very much. What do you say, if you don't mind me asking, what do you say? I'm in this industry for what reason? Why, why are you in this industry? Why am I in this industry? Pay the mortgage. No, I mean, to be honest, I mean, I, I, I think like most people, I fell into this industry. I feel, I feel like there's a bit of a divide in this industry. All of the the younger folk were trying to break into it, and all of the yeah. older folk fell into it yeah. <laughs> because of the sort of eras and the times that these things happened. Um, I was definitely on the side of, of, of falling into it, but I, you know, I'll never forget my. I, I cut my teeth at NCC because I think all three of us did, did. Um, and uh, I'll never forget my first day of, of rocking up and, and you know being given some training and being given a phone and saying, "Okay, you need to speak to some people about cybersecurity." I think for me, it just always struck the balance of, um, you know, conversing with people and that sort of thing, but also the sort of the 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 intellectual nature of of, of, of cyber security and information security in general. Really, um, put those two together, and it gave me a, a career that I loved because it's person to person, but also gave me something that I was never going to understand fully, mm-hmm. and will therefore. Be on a lifelong mission of, of, of learning and development. So, sorry to cut across you with it with that question. I was really interested to see because obviously you two work really closely together. It was just interesting to see if you were on the same similar pathway. Obviously, you're really excited by the industry in terms of you know robbing banks, but then you've realised actually you can make change. I think I'm on that pathway now. I think I started in a bit of a combination mm. of you. I, I've got no problems in saying I I fell into this industry. Number one, I fell into it. But two, I also fell into it because of Kevin Mitnick. I read that story and went, yeah. that's actually really cool. Mm-hmm. The fact that something is usually gift, gifted a gap to get into it. So my, my actually first job is sales. Mm-hmm. And then I probably never got out of it. But I think I'm now in your space, which is I want to make change. I want to actually make this industry stand for something. I want to mm-hmm. actually protect somebody. And I actually have an inbox folder. And it's something which I'd recommend people do is when you get a customer feedback, like, my God, you've saved us. This would have career ended us. We wouldn't have a business day if it, was, if it wasn't for you. I have a folder full of them and I keep hold of them. And I remind myself regularly when I'm in that moment of what the hell am I doing here? I go back and read those and go, OK, that's what I'm doing here. Mm. I think most people, especially on the vendor side, I think should really remember what we're in this for. Mm. I think what we're in this for has matured a lot as well, especially over the last few years. You know, cybersecurity, the sort of the the people who founded the industry, there were some absolutely brilliant people and very passionate people, don't get me wrong. Um, but I think a lot of the people who were in this industry saw it as a puzzle that needed to be cracked rather yeah. than a problem that needed to be solved for the greater good and for the for the benefit of people. And I think now the 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 next generation of people to be the cybersecurity leaders recognise that this is this is an opportunity for the greater good, and not just for personal entertainment. And totally agree. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that. But then on the flip side to that, I'd, I'd argue that it's become more of a everybody solving a problem, and now it's become an arms race. Also <laughs> true. Yeah, three people trying to solve it because they want the first headline. I, well, I think we see this with that. Uh, it's not so much now, and I'm grateful for this. Is when we saw it with Heartbleed. Mm. You know, that logo. Hmm. And it had its own, you know, where's its theme tune? We, that in the yeah. industry became a meme. Hmm. But from externally, 
you know, it was something to be ridiculed. I had yeah. friends who said, like, what are you guys doing? Mm. I mean, this is a major career end of a major mm. businesses. We sat there and we spent time creating a logo before we went out with mm. the release. No, get the release out there. It's more important. So yeah, I think there's uh, I think there's a bit of that goes on as well. You're right with the arms race piece. Definitely. So um, onto the uh, the next area, maybe more more towards the the junior end of the spectrum. Yep. Um, exams and qualifications. <laughs> yeah. What do they do to the industry? Um, I think there's two pieces to that. First of all, yes, get yourself your qualifications. At least go and get your education in it. We can all be passionate about it, but at some point you do have to study in this, this profession. Um, we were at a SciSec event yesterday and they're championing the whole chart and that's a completely different conversation. Definitely not for this podcast. But yes, go and get, at least go down the route of starting your studies off. Uh, one of the big things I always recommend when I do CV tips is you can go and study your CISP. You don't have to pass the exam. You can go and study. You can go and study your SEC course and your network course. I also recommend go cross-discipline. Get as wide as you can in this industry. And you guys know this because you've been through the pen test ring. When you sit on an engagement, you don't just hack one thing. You realize you have to go really far and wide. And you can only Google so much on a client's engagement before you're going, actually, I don't know. I think go far and wide with your certifications in terms of the learning side of it. Basing your career on the certificates, no, I'm not interested. And and before we start slamming HR for saying putting them onto CVs, we we'll take that one off the table. I think we all agree. Making a CV based, uh, sorry, making a job spec based around you have to have these qualifications is not helpful in this industry. We all know amazing talent in this industry with no certificates. Mm. I'm one. My degree is in geography. It's going to get really cold tonight. Why can yeah. the cloud base move over? It's big cold time tonight. That's more important, I think, having a, a disciplined cross than having somebody to, uh, and I think that's the other thing we know. We also know people can pass every exam. You won't put them near a keyboard. Mm. I, I spoke to a... Uh... I guess my so my question would my question around this is going to be okay. Well, these things are obviously there to get people into employment, particularly on the junior side of the spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. Break into cyber, although I hate that term. Um, and evidently, the problem here is not a skills gap yep. in terms of a, a lack of jobs. There are plenty of jobs, therefore skilled people. Um, you know, there's a, there's a difference between a junior looking for a job and someone with two years experience looking for a job. A huge yep. difference. Yep. Um, I spoke to a lady yesterday at, at CIISEC who's been in the industry for two years and what she described to me, she went, she went to university, she got a, she got, she got a master's in information security. <coughs> um, she did absolutely everything she could to get a job and took the first thing she, she, she found, which was, I think was identities and access management at a bank. You know, it was just, it was just one of those yep. jobs. Um, within a year, she's now moved into an area of cybersecurity that she already liked, that she quite liked. But the way she described it and the way she came across is just, you know, outright tenacity. Um, so my question is, or the talking point is, how, you know, there's a lot of money, a lot of investment coming in from government into loads of different programs mm -hmm. to sort of help bridge the gap. Yep. But for her, that gap wasn't really bridged, right? She's just gone and just done it the old fashioned way and just worked really hard and got in there. Yep. Um, so how successful are we being with all of these different programs, whether they're for you know, university students, college students, 
or even the trainers. You know, yep. we're seeing a bit of that now. Yeah, it's a really big mixed bag out there. It really is. I've worked on uh, government funded scheme, which got people jobs in cyber. And I was talking to someone yesterday who is on uh, who actually helped create some of the events. We created some of the most phenomenal events, which was great for the vendor as well as for the candidates. And it was literally, there's a live simulation, go play. And the assessors walking around will literally go, you have no idea what you're doing technically. We really like you to fit us culturally. And it goes down to a, a, a really interesting expression I was taught uh, a while ago. And it was a company and they said, look, we want people to juggle with starfish, mm. but show me jugglers. We'll do the starfish bit, you do the jugglers bit. Mm. So we would find them jugglers, they would then essentially go and do this. And I think that's what we've got at cybersecurity. We've got people who, they like doing stuff. And because our industry is so greedy and we've got everything from vulnerability management, GRC, blue team, purple team, red team, green team, yellow team, all the other colors in the middle, architecture, engineering, and then underneath that, you've got vulnerability, engineering, vulnerability, architect. Because we're so greedy, we have all these multidisciplines finding your home in it there is a home for anyone you like tech come to cyber there's a job for you flip side though the vendor or the sorry the person hiring you has to take a punt on that candidate they're going i see you're really good at engineering we've got 16 different engineering departments where we fit and don't know how to go all of them and i think that's where my honest lean as we stand this year i would say is apprenticeships mm -hmm. create an apprenticeship scheme where that candidate goes through everything don't just say we've got a, a, a pen testing apprenticeship scheme. Mm -hmm. I want to see an apprenticeship scheme that goes across every discipline of cyber. Mm -hmm. Stick them on social engineering engagement, stick them on architecture, stick them in engineering. Mm -hmm. One of them will go, oh, I never knew I loved malware reversal until I sat down and I'd go, I love it. Yeah. But they went into it as an engineer or, a, or as a coder or as a marketing person. Mm -hmm. You, we don't know what we're good at in cybersecurity. I mean, if I start eating from a malware reversal, you probably absolutely love it. So yeah, I I think sticks one across all the disciplines though, because you know, like you two, if I start you in front of malware reversal, you might absolutely love it, digging right into the code and just working out and tear things apart. You might hate it. You don't know until you have a go. You might absolutely hate it, but actually you're good at it. That's another thing. We can be good at stuff and hate it. Now. I've had to deal with live incidents, proper big incident stuff. When you were sat in an incident, the last thing you want in that room is a hyper-specialist who can fix one thing. Mm. You need generalists. Mm -hmm. You need someone who goes, hey, who built that system? You know, Andy, right, get Andy on the blower. Let's, let's see why he built it that way. Oh, so before you go and fix it, you can actually break the entire infrastructure. Right, yeah. okay, well, let's hold off doing that. Let's, let's fix this a different way. That's creative thinking, sorry, critical thinking, that's, you know, we're using creativity skills here that they're not taught, it's not in your, yeah. it's not in your Sam's course, it's not in your yeah. SEC course. And again, that's something which I always look for in CVs, you know, we, you've said something before about the cyber skills gap. Mm -hmm. Again, I, I, I agree with you, I don't think we have a skills gap at all. Mm -hmm. I think we have a very weird gap at the moment, which is, we've, I, I've got 11 CVs in my inbox right now. Mm -hmm. I'm not hiring, I've got 11 people for you. Um, multidiscipline all over the show. We've got thousands of jobs, is it? What was it, a hundred and thousand jobs this year in cyber? Well, why aren't this, why isn't this being matched together? And the answer is, is there's a barrier in the middle, yeah. which is stopping these people being well, hired. But the backbone of any, you know, the backbone of any country, any industry are the SMEs, right? Um, and 
whilst some of the big, you know, we talked before, the, the skills gap is quite obviously this, you know, people looking for people that have got the two years experience, but got that foundational knowledge. Um, and the big companies, they can afford to, to bridge that gap and mm -hmm. bring people in, and they do, most of them, right, to an extent. It's not, we're not saying there are no jobs, there's very few. Um, it's the it's the it's it's the smaller companies, you know. Mm -hmm. It's the smaller companies, whether that's in Vendorland or whether that's you know in the, the general public. Um, so the question is, are the programs that we're doing today? Yeah. Are people you know, and, and there's plenty of them. I'm not going to name them, but there's plenty yep. of them. Um, the aim then, because you're not going to you're not going to convince these businesses that they need to take underskilled people and train them up. You're not going to be able to do that. No. So you, what, what you have to be able to do is get people coming out that have got enough experience to be employed as a skilled worker. Yeah. Right. Um, how are we going to do that? Well, are, or are we doing that? Are people coming out of these programs skilled enough to hold their own in a business? I mean, I would argue not, otherwise they'd be getting jobs. I was going to say, he shook, he shook his head through <laughs> the answers there. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I think some, skill, some schemes are better than others for giving you skilled talent. Mm -hmm. Some of them, people pay an awful lot of money to go through these months-long things and they come out of it. Sometimes and, their own money as well. Yeah, and they don't know as much as they could have done if they just sat on YouTube. Correct. There is a lot of free, really, really good channels out there on YouTube who can sh show you everything you need to do in this career in, in any part of this discipline. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I have a bit of a, I, I've seen a scheme recently, it was £13,000. Mm -hmm. And you come out of it, you get three qualifications, and I kind of start thinking, but are they useful? It's not qualifications, is it? That's not what people are hiring you for. Like the, the qualifications experience. are great to have, but they need you to show up and operate the tool. Yep. They need you to show up and do the job. Yep. Your qualification is not going to do the job for you. So yep. if you can't demonstrably or demonstrably, as you put it earlier, <laughs> do the job. Demonstrably. <laughs> <laughs> then, then, then yeah. You're not going to do it, and, and you know we can dress this up with qualifications, etc. It's very, very simple. Yeah. You don't get the job because you don't have the skills to do the job, or you're not perceived to have the skills to do the job. You know, so so unless we can fix that, forget all of the other because qualifications is a, is a is a solution of sorts, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's it's an attempt to solve the problem. It's not it's not working. So we need to so remove that and think of something else. CV tips for anyone who's listening who wants to brush up their CV. I want to see your SourceForge account, your GitHub account. I want to see your blog. I want to see what you're working on. I want to see a, a photo of your home setup. I want to see your network diagrams of your home setup. I want to see how you pen test. I want to see how you've secured it. I want to see that. Show me that on a CV. Anyone worth their, worth their salt reading that CV will go, mm. well, okay, you know what you're doing. Because you can... Demonstrate it. Let's go away from the word. We can demonstrate it. You can, I can see your passion. I can see what you like and what you don't like. I can see what I can see how I'm going to use you as an individual. If you come to me and go, I've got a sec plus. It's a great qualification, by the way. Do your sec plus. It's a really good qualification. But I've got a sec plus. And what have you done with it? Nothing I've working at all. Okay, well, what have you done outside of it? You can't show me that. I well, can't what skills did you learn in it? Well, and can you can you demonstrate those skills outside of that exam paper? I think one. I think that's a key thing as well. It is. It is the skills, not the knowledge, in a yes. lot of these courses. Because you know, you are not going to get an entry level job in cybersecurity knowing everything that you need to know in order to be able to deliver the job. But you do need to be able to come. And I see a lot of people who don't have this capability, having done some, you know, fancy degrees and courses and all sorts of 
things, they don't come in with an understanding of how you go out and you find that information when you're actually on the job. You know, yeah. a pen tester's best friend is Google. That is a fundamental tool, way more important mm. than Nessus or Nmap or anything else, yeah. is, is to be able to Google and to be able to go out and actually find the information. And, and when I speak to a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people I've interviewed, like hundreds of pen testers over the years, you can really tell the difference between the ones that are going to make it and the ones that aren't yep. um, by the fact that the ones that are going to make it um, during their, their technical assessment and during their conversations will say, you know, this is this is where I go to find this information. This is how I find this information. Whereas yeah. the, the other ones are like, well, I, I wasn't able to run this tool because it was a, a bit of an obscure circumstance. And that's not what that blog said. And therefore I was stopped, you know, yeah. I was stunted by that because it doesn't quite follow the yeah. exact path. And, and I think that's, that's particularly a problem in cyber, but I'm sure it's a problem in most industries. But because what we know today is not going to be true in a couple of, you know, in a couple of Absolutely. weeks or months or a years' time, the techno like the technology is advancing so fast that I think the 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 skill to find the answers is is fundamental, and the actual answers themselves are pretty irrelevant. Also, I think hiring managers stop stop hiding behind your HR teams. Go and actually speak to the candidate. You, mm -hmm. you speak to your candidates directly. If you've got three hundred CVs of, you know, so they've done the pre-filter as to who can actually who is allowed to work for you, because there's some, I don't know, in some organisations you've got to have certain clearances or locations. Once you've got that next candidate base, give that three hundred CVs to your hiring manager. I know for some IT directors and, and cyber directors, they're going to absolutely panic at this next client. But you go through them because your HR team only knows up to a certain point. Mm -hmm. They're going to go off a tick list. You know by looking at that, wow, really like that one. They've got no skills in cyber, but what a candidate. I'd hire them in seconds. Well, go and have a chat with them. Go and have a half hour chat with them and work out what you like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's a much more intelligent conversation. And you're going to find some brilliant talent out there. Someone who's got a geography, geography degree, done a bit of compliance, done a bit of this, done a bit of that, been in the industry 20 years, but no qualifications in cyber. I will not get through anyone's CV filter right now. Yeah. But well, would you hire me? Well, I know you guys will say no because you hate me, but that's right. But the, 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 what you said before, though, about apprenticeships, because if you actually are looking to, to, to solve the problem and, and without you know, asking for change in hiring managers is, I would say, optimistic. Mm. <laughs> it's doable. But the way, that the, the, the way that you fix the problem quickly is that when hiring managers look at a CV and they don't see any experience, that immediately makes you, immediately creates a, um, a slight red flag, shall we say, or, or an orange flag. Um, but apprenticeships are a great way of fixing that. You 100%. You're, you can, if you can train on the job, yep. like they can't, it's worked... For probably hundreds of years, like you, you know what I mean, it's a tried and tested method. It's just not that available to people in cybersecurity for some reason. How you learn the job? I did a degree program at, at, at university where we did two years work, one year in company, and then no, sorry, one year's university. Don't remember a lot of one year's university and then two years in company while studying. I did it with, uh, with Barclays. Um, they're building right now. Um, and and that you know it's invaluable. I wrote yeah. my degree on Barclays, pretty mm. much. I wrote most of the papers I did on Barclays because that was the route that we took in. Um, and I just you know, and all this money comes into so many. You know, I've seen programs to help entry level people. You know, 
and, and yeah. not, not programs themselves, yeah. but in terms of types of programs and ideas, like so many. Yeah. Um, but actually, you know, training on the job, shall we say, instead of calling it an apprenticeship, but training on the job has to be yeah. the, the best way. We know it works because you go to any other industry which does this and it works. For example, you take your car into a garage, there's normally a kid knocking around with a lot of spanners mm. and getting covered in grease every day, hanging upside down underneath the car, ripping the J-bar off the, off the underside of your car. They're an apprentice. Give me a year in that, somebody that is a mechanic, somebody who's the guy who fixes your car. We know it works. Why are we so reticent to have it inside? Yeah. I have just no take the idea. money from everywhere else and just go, we're just gonna put it all into something. Yeah fairly simple, which is subsidizing yep. businesses to take on cybersecurity apprentices. SMEs can tap into, so you know a company's paying an apprenticeship levy. Yep. So if you don't spend that apprenticeship levy, it goes into a central pot and it can be refunded out to SMEs. That exists. So if you, you two wanted to hire an apprentice tomorrow, you can mm. tap into other people's apprenticeship levy money yep. and fund an apprentice or mm. part fund it at least. Yeah. So does it work? Yes. When you get to enterprise level, you need Tesco's and Barclays, mm -hmm. etc. Create your academy. Yeah, we know they work. Mm -hmm. You know, industry level or sort of corporate level academies work mm -hmm. because what they'll do is they'll stick someone through a variety of programs, and an engineer is now on a marketing scheme. Go, God, we're really good at wordsmithery. Yeah, we know they work. So mm -hmm. why aren't we doing them? And, I, and you know what? You see it on the sales side because we've all seen Sunak's next job in cyber, you know, bollocks around, uh, around, around that COVID era. Um, I've had people, I've had technical folk with master's degrees applying for sales roles. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they're trying to break into the industry yeah. and they're like, I'll take any job. And by any job, they're like, I'll take a sales role. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, whilst that's great from their perspective, it puts a very damp light on pathways available to people. I agree. And you talk about levies and all these things, but like, like they don't care about that. They're just like, what are my pathways? Oh, there isn't any. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. And I think there's, there's... Oh, there is a pathway, sorry. It's going to cost me 13 grand. Yeah. And the other <laughs> thing is, is in, we, are, we also have a lot of people who are in these organizations that create pathway diagrams, and they're all different. Mm. You know, if you go down this route or that vendor route or this training company's route, you're going to see six different pathways to get to the end pen tester role or whatever the role is. That doesn't help. And I think, again, this comes right back to what we said initially. If you start inventing these wonderful things because it seems to be the right thing to do this week, mm. no wonder the consumer out there is suddenly going, yeah, it's not for me. Why do people still have password one, two, three as their yeah. password? Because we make it hard for anyone to engage with this entire industry. And then when you, th when you throw in the... the you know, a good portion of, of the people that we're talking about here are neurodiverse, then yep. then the whole thing just falls down, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's you need to get somebody else on the podcast alone because I'll rant. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely on that one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Tom, do you want to wrap us up? Yeah, well I was gonna move on a little bit to hopefully um you repeating what your job title is because I've forgotten it and then maybe talking a little bit about what you're what you're trying to do in the uh For in sure. the Manchester ecosystem. Cyber Ecosystem Project Manager. It's a great job title. What does that actually mean? Um, so I work uh, within a facility called DISH, which is the Digital Security Hub, which you guys have got space in. It's a co-working space in Manchester. Um, 
I've worked all over the show for doing this job uh, of cybersecurity and to keep coming back to Manchester is probably a reason. I like Manchester as a city for many reasons and there's one of them is, and it's going to be a bit of a tangential story so bear with me. I lived in London for four years and great job down there, really loved my job, did all sorts of stuff down there including recruitment actually. And I remember moving back up to, to Manchester and I had a full-size rucksack, one of the really big ones, my entire life possessions and a couple of you know, holdalls with me as well. I got to Manchester Piccadilly train station. I was looking around trying to think, what platform do I have to go to to get to my, my next train? And this old boy says, you all right? I said, yeah. Where are you going? Like, you about to scale K2. And I, oh, I'm on my way home. I've just moved back home. Like, Fancy beer? No idea who this guy was. Fancy beer. An hour later, four pints down, this guy told me his life story. I told my best of mates for like, a few hours sign up. But there's a thing about Manchester where we love to chat to other people, get on the skin of everyone's stories, because you find the new mates. You go to a pub, you always come out with a new mate. You, know, you go in with six people, seven walk out. Where did that extra one come from? We never know. Um, and it's, uh, is it in the water? Is it in the air? I have no idea. Commercially, though, we see it stronger. So we have things like, why did GCHQ take space in Manchester? Is it because it was cheap? Is it because they have cheap workforce? No, it's because of what's here. There's a collaboration piece. There's a, a massive student hub. There's a whole set of other cyber businesses that can tap into. And they can work with them. They can tap into them all. Um, I sit in a, a dish and I'm doing you know, maybe some business mentoring and then someone will come join the conversation. So I'm like, you two just need to talk, I'm walking away from the table now. That is why Manchester is such a powerful force. And in this industry, you look at any of the major takedowns we've ever done, any of the big botnet takedowns, it's never done by one company. Microsoft worked with Google and this and that and that. That's how we do takedowns. If we're actually gonna fix some stuff in this industry, you cannot do it on your own. You're gonna to have to make friends in other businesses who can complement what you do and you'll get your big wins. If you want to make money, you want to actually try and be successful in business and make a stamp on the, on, the, on the world, collaborate. Don't try and do it on your own. You will not succeed. And that's from everywhere I've ever worked, from NTC to all the other businesses I've worked at. It's only ever been successful when we've had that extra one, two, five, ten companies involved every single time. I know you guys, you know, you've been pulled into all sorts of stuff. Brilliant. Keep doing that. That's my business advice. Mentoring on camera. Um, keep doing that. You will become successful the more that you actually connect. And that's what Manchester is best for. You can have two rival football teams and they will hate each other to death. They'll still go to work the following morning and you know, talk footy with each other around the, around the table. Opposing fans still talk to each other. That's something Manchester does really, really well. Better than London, better than Birmingham, better than Edinburgh, far, far better. There's something here that's different, and it's that collaboration piece. Perfect. I think on that note, we'll probably uh, probably leave it there. So thanks for coming in, Stu. You're right. More than welcome. Good luck, guys. <laughs>